We are going to start with our closing song. Uh, then I'm going to talk for a while, and then we're going to worship. So it's going to be very different, but kind of exactly the same mirror image. I don't know how to explain it to you. Uh, so let me just say this. If you're here today, and the hope is not your church, you're just visiting, or you don't have a church, or uh, maybe you're a believer, but you're just kind of looking for something, I don't exactly know how what we're going to do applies to you, but God does. God knows why you're here, and he, I would just say take what you can from it for whatever is yours. If you're here today, and this isn't your church, or this is your church, but you don't know that you're a believer yet, you wouldn't say that you've accepted Christ and, and you become a child of God. You don't maybe even know what that means. I would say as we talk, what I'd like for you to see is how we take God's word and try to be serious about doing what it says. That's what I'd like for you to see. Because it represents integrity for us as believers that we're followers of God. Let's actually follow him. Let's look at what he says and see if, uh, if we can like grow in our ability to follow him. But if you're here and you're a part of hope, I'm asking you as your pastor to open your heart wide to what God has for you this day. Because I believe what we're going to talk about today has a really, really huge impact for the kingdom of God and for our witness and our testimony. And I really believe that, like, especially this time slot, the 11 o'clock service, this is a place where God wants to stir Mm -hmm. and move us as a church. So I'm going to ask you to open your heart wide. So we're going to start with a song. We're just going to sit and listen to this. This is going to kind of set us in the right mindset or whatever. And then we'll get rolling this morning with what we're going to talk about in Psalm 33. So listen along. Welcome to Craft New Worship. Would you like to try our new hands-free worship? Look, just turn down the guitars. That music is too loud. No loud music. Oh, and keep the sermon short this week. Is there anything else? Oh, and don't make us pray in the service. And, and no drums. Would you like hymns with that? Look, just play some hymns on the piano. And did I mention no guitar? Okay. Welcome to Trap New Worship. Would you like to try our new hands free worship? One more time. Oh, hi. Uh, We're going to have. Hold on. Okay, we're going to have fast music, lots of jumping. And uh, we want to. What? Okay, okay. Um, A real short sermon. And uh, maybe a mime would be good for that. Oh, okay. And um, graham crackers with apple juice. Thank you so much. Please go forward. Welcome to Craft New Worship. Yeah, no uh, music for me, please. Uh, no clapping, no shaking hands. Oh, and no passing plates. I'm on a tight budget. Thanks. Please go forward. Welcome to Craft New Worship. Can I help you? Oh, hey, what kind of music you guys got here? I love the rock and roll, man. It's so cool. Yeah, and, uh, oh, don't make me lift my hands up, though. That's kind of awkward, kind of weird. Um, anyway, yeah, 20-minute talk is good. Not any longer. Got places to go, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love this church, man. Right on. Please go forward. Welcome to Trap New Worship. Would you like to try our new hands-free worship? Hi, um, I'm pretty new to this, uh, have any suggestions for me? Would you like praise with that? Uh, I, I'm 
I'm pretty open. I just want to praise God for who he is. Would you like to try our new hands free worship? Hello? Please call. Would you like hands? Would you like like praise? Please call. Call not free. Would you like to try our worship? Hello? All right. So we're going to talk about music today. And uh, it seems quite fitting to talk about music as we go through uh, our study in Psalms. And, and the reason I show you that video is because it is really amazing how often when we talk about music, the discussion moves to talks about tastes, preferences, styles, what I like, what I don't like. And really, if you... It's natural for all of us to get into that mode. It's natural for all of us to get to comment on what I think about music. But if you take that discussion, once you start down that path to its logical end, that's what you get, right? You get to a place where everybody wants to kind of move what happens towards what fits them. And I wonder, is that really worship? I wonder if that's what God wants from us. I mean, have you ever asked yourself the question, what should God's people do? What should we look like? How should we act in worship? When when we get together and we sing and we play, what should your response be if you're a child of God? That's what we're going to look at today. There are lots of places you can turn to to have those discussions, to have some advice. Um, Let's see if we can find some helpful advice about how to interact in worship. Worshiping God through word and song is an important part of our relationship with Him. There are many styles of worship available, but no matter what style it is, make sure you stay focused on the most important thing, not embarrassing yourself. Sing the words just loud enough so that you know you're singing, but not loud enough for others to hear it and possibly make fun of you. Do you see the woman to your right with her eyes closed and her left hand up like she's giving God a high five? Don't do that. People might think you're all religious and stuff. Also, resist the temptation to get lost in praising a loving and magnificent God who created you and knows you intimately. Just hum while standing still and awkward and realizing that everyone is looking at you. It's the way worship was intended. These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. So when we talk about worship, I'm not sure that's the best advice. Uh, but it, if we're honest, and, and what I want to do today as your pastor is just say to you, can we be honest with each other a little bit? I'm not asking you to tell me or for me to tell you. I'm asking for each of us to look in the mirror with the Spirit of God. Isn't that advice that we just saw a lot of times what directs what I do in worship? Oh no, somebody might be looking at me. Oh no, that person might know that I can't sing. Oh no, that person might think I'm, I'm too into it or whatever. Like, It's me, me, me. Here's what happens when you really look into the Word of God and you really look into yourself with with an open and honest heart. What you find very quickly is that we got problems. We have issues. And those issues show up in everything relationally that happens in our life. And if I could boil it all down, it boils down to this. We are very self-focused people. We are about me. 
We're about what I feel comfortable with. And too often, worship and music turns into a self-centered, self-focused exercise. And I wonder if you think that's what worship is. Or if you think maybe worship's more than that. David, in Psalm 33, gives us instruction. Now, I would say, probably shallow Christian's not the person to ask about worship styles and techniques. But David, who wrote song after song under the inspiration of the Spirit, and recorded it in the Word of God, and here we are, 3,000 plus years later, reading what David wrote, maybe there's some stuff we can learn from him. So let's dig into this. Let's look. And by the way, if you've joined us after we started, you're concerned, you're concerned about how, like, is your clock off or whatever? We're just doing the service backwards today. Okay. I know it's like, what? Mark's talking already. I wasn't ready for that. I need more preparation. We're just doing the service backwards today. That's all. So Psalm 33, let's read the first three verses of Psalm 33. Here's what it says. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp, make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre, sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. So if I'm reading that, if I'm reading what David wrote, what I'm reading is David's advice on worship starts here. When music is playing, sing. Let me say that again. When music is playing to worship the Lord, Sing. All right, we're done. That's it. That's the whole. I know that sounds overly simplistic, but how many times have you been in a church service and thought, I just don't feel it today. I'm just not going to. I'm too embarrassed or I'm with somebody new or, you know, whatever it is that that shuts you down from doing what David says we should be doing. That question is for you, between you and your Creator, between you and your Savior. Sing to the Lord. Sing joyfully to the Lord. It means this. When God's people get together, we should sing. It's why every single Sunday when we get together, we sing. We lift up our voices. And by the way, sing the verb and the idea of you righteous, both of those are plural. It isn't sing to the Lord in your car while you're driving down the street or sing to the Lord in your kitchen while you're making dinner. Or whatever. All of those are fine, but that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is get together and sing. Gather in my name, lift up your voices, and praise me in song. God's people should be a singing people. And there's a reason for that, and it's this miraculous reason. It's some of why God gave us music, that we get to sing together. Now, when he says sing, he doesn't say sing like you just lost your dog, right? Like you don't know if if any of this matters. What's he say? Sing how? If you have a Bible, look at it. It's the second word. Sing what? Joyfully. So in your mind, get a picture, sing joyfully to the Lord. What does that look like? If you were to imagine someone singing joyfully to the Lord, what does that look like? And then get a mirror. Is that me? And I'm not saying that you have to look like somebody else. I'm saying you have to look like you. But you should look like someone who is singing 
joyfully to the Lord. I know there are different personalities. I know there are different makeups of people, different ways of expressing. And I'm not saying everybody has to match somebody else's intensity or expression. I I am a different person than you are, and you're a different person than I am. But does anyone get the impression that you are joyful? That you think God is amazing? That you're thankful? Anyone? I mean, are you so private and so closed in that there's nothing coming out of you? The point is, God's people pour out praise. So if those who are closest to you would say to you, man, you really are thankful, aren't you? Man, you really are excited. That's what we're talking about. I'm not talking about judging somebody across the aisle and measuring them. Are they worshiping well enough? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you being honest about you. And stop excusing yourself. Stop writing off this privilege, this honor we have of singing joyfully to the Lord. So simply put, when we sing, we should actually sing to the Lord. And, and while that seems obvious, what I'm telling you is, in churches around this world and in our church on every Sunday, there are believers who come and stand and stare like God isn't here like God doesn't matter, like nothing's ever happened to them, like there's all it is about is whether I like that song or that singer or that person, and folks, we are missing it. We are acting like it's about all this small stuff, and it's about this great big God we have. So sing to the Lord. Sing joyfully to Him. Because we come and we enjoy our Creator. We enjoy our Savior. We are filled up and it pours out of us. And David says it is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Fitting. That idea of what fits you. You know, when, if you've gone through the winter and, and, you know, maybe added a couple pounds, maybe your clothes that once fit you are no longer fitting. And if you wore them, it would be obvious that they are no longer fitting, right? The idea is it looks like it's made for you. It looks like it belongs on you. And what, what David is saying here is what belongs on the upright, what, what, what looks like it was made for them, what is natural for them to put on is singing joyfully to the Lord. Is that natural for you? Does it fit you? Is it What makes sense to you? The upright are not the people who are perfect. The upright are the people in Psalms, especially the theme of the Psalms, is the upright are the people who rely on God. So if you're a person of faith, the upright in the Psalms is you. So it is fitting for the people of God to sing. It is natural. And so I'm asking you to look at yourself. I'm not asking you to look at uh, another family or another person or somebody you don't think can sing or somebody you, t- well, I wonder why they're always not involved in worship. You don't know what's going on in their life and that, that's whatever. That's between them and the Lord. What about you? Is what you do fitting for the greatness of your God? Does it match what you believe, what you say you believe? Because God's people should naturally sing to him and praise him. And if that's not true, then I guess what I'm asking is what's getting in the way of that? Because what's getting in the way of that is a tool of the enemy to stop God's people from being glory to his name. 
Now, God, we've read in other Psalms, God puts his glory all over the place. The, the heavens declare the glory of God and creation. And there's all kinds of stuff that declares the glory of God. But I'm telling you, God's primary way of declaring his glory is in his people. In people who are changed and transformed. People who can't help but talk about him. It's why he says he makes us fishers of men. We are his plan to share his glory with this world. And when we don't, People think that God is inglorious even though he is. We lose our opportunity. We lose this privilege of what God wants to do in us. Now, the truth is, on Sunday morning, you come in from all kinds of different journeys, and there may be a lot of reasons why singing is the last thing you want to do. Maybe for you, it is a huge act of faith just to come and sing. What I'm saying to you is, come in faith then. Maybe life all week long has been dragging you down into the minutia of life. It's just been pulling you down into these smaller things, bills and arguments and how you feel today and all these things that a thousand years from now are not going to be as big as they are right now. But life just keeps swallowing you up, just keeps tangling you up in all of those things. And so coming and singing about the goodness and greatness is your act of defiance. I will not be drawn down into the, the, the smaller things of life. I'm going to lift up my eyes to the, what really is big, what really is huge in this life and in this world. And so there are all kinds of things for us that come with this experience. But the point is, is what we do fitting to our great God? Does it match His greatness? Because however it is, what I'm saying to you is set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Turn to God in this moment when we come together and sing, sing. I've heard people before say, well, it's just not my worship style. You know, I'm like, okay, what is your worship style? Well, my worship style is basically to stand there with my arms folded and look like I'm miserable. That's not a worship style. That's a statement of this doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I got all kinds of room for all kinds of people, but church of Jesus Christ, if he's our savior, if he's our redeemer, if he lives, this doesn't cut it. Right? Church family, we have the privilege, we have the honor of bearing his image. Let's bear it. Let's take it out. Let's lift up our voices. Let's sing. Let's make him known. The idea of fitting is that it makes sense to those who observe us. So you come on Sunday morning and you're lifting up your voice. There's a, there's a way that that inspires and stirs up and, and moves in your brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes I wonder if the place of worship here at our church. And I can't speak to all other churches and that's their business, but I I pray that this happens there too. But sometimes I wonder if what's coming out of us on Sunday morning is way smaller than what needs to be coming out of us on Sunday morning. You know, back when Dana was was doing uh, kids' Christmas programs, there would be 20 kids up here and Dana would be like, I can't hear you. 20 of you should be making more noise. I've heard 20 of you make more noise than that. And I wonder sometimes if God is like, are you there? What? I wonder if as God bends his ear to this place, if his heart is full because our heart is full and pouring out, or if God's like, 
they just don't seem to care. It just doesn't seem to matter to them. I wonder what that reflects. And so it is fitting. And there are also people who come observe who don't even know God. I wonder, whatever your stuff is, whatever your junk is, whatever your path is, and you come in and you're kind of all bound up and tangled up and we worship, you're like, I don't want to move a muscle like anybody would think anything's going on here. So that's all your stuff. But I wonder if, as a believer, if a a person who doesn't know God comes in and watches you worship, if they get the impression that this is just a show. They get the impression that worship is what happens up here and we're just a spectator. We're just, you know, taking it in. From the Word of God and on the authority of the Word of God, I can tell you that is not worship. This is worship. Right? Right? So if we get the mistake that, oh, I didn't like what they did in worship today. Well, did you like what you did in worship today? Because you're the worshiper. So did you worship? Well, you know, they they sang songs that were older. I'm over those songs. They're done. Okay. I'm, I'm getting, trying to like, are we past the point where we're so juvenile that we think it's about the songs? That we think it's about the sound? Are we, can we get past that point? Because our God is great and our God is good. And so it is fitting in the way that it makes sense to people. David says, praise the Lord with the harp, makes music to him on the ten-string lyre. The idea is lift up music to him because as we lift him up, somehow we bring honor and glory to our God who is honorable and glorious and marvelous and beautiful and somehow we get to portray that with music. And I think that you feel it. I think that you can feel it because there are these moments when crowds get together and, and noise comes out of them and it just moves you. It, when a song is powerfully put together or when like you're at a concert and everybody knows the lyrics and everybody's singing together, doesn't that get you? Like I'm not a musician, but that gets me. It, it, if everybody's into it, if everybody's moving. There was a time uh, back... 20 years ago, we, were, we took a group of high schoolers to a, a conference down in Washington, D.C., and we were in the convention center, the old convention center, before they built the new one, and, it, and they had a stage in the middle that spun around, and they had 20,000 teenagers in the, in the arena with us, right? We walked into this place with our you know, group of like just having come from real conservative Christianity kids. We walked in, and this place was exploding with energy. People were jumping. I thought the, the bleachers were going to fall down. You know, everybody was into it. And, and I just was moved to tears. Look at 20,000 teenagers excited about worshiping God. Isn't that amazing? It moved me, right? Anybody going to get moved by what we do on Sunday morning? And I guarantee you it won't be because of what happens up here if they do. It'll be because of what happens here. Don't underplay your part. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. And it it talks about getting instruments and music and making noise. And and there are times for worship to be quiet and there are times for us to be quiet before the Lord. But listen, I think what you find in the Psalms is that more often than not, there are times for us to be loud and excited and pumped. This Psalm is about making noise, making it heard, making sure that God's glory is known because of how it comes pouring out of us. Verse 3 tells us to sing a new song to him. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Sing a new song. 
I've heard several times that word, and it shows up in the Psalms over and over, a new song, Psalm 40, Psalm 96, Psalm 98, Psalm 149. Sometimes I've heard that applied, that it means we should only sing the latest and greatest worship songs that are out there. It doesn't exactly mean that, okay? Um, I mean, there is a thing about music that, that there's, there's freshness and then there's stale and, and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is it's not really talking about, I mean, how new is the new song? Is it something that just came up today? Is it something that came up in the last three weeks? Is it, how new is new? Last 10 years? It really isn't about that. I mean, what he's saying here is this. It means that our music should reflect that God is not done working. That God is still active. That God is still changing lives. God is still saving people and forgiving people and healing people. God is still doing stuff right now. And so the idea, you know, I've heard people before say, well, the songs, I grew up in a tradition where the songs of a hundred years ago, those were the good songs. Anything today is like, ugh. No, it's terrible, it's terrible. And, and I kind of like, wait a minute. Do, I, do we not have the same spirit of God that they had 100 years ago? Is he different? I think he's the same, right? So they wrote songs. And by the way, a lot of the hymns, when they were written, were, were sung to the, to the tune of bar songs. They just grabbed a song from the local tavern and they put God's words to it and they sang it. I know it sounds real churchy to us now, but back then, a lot of people were offended because the hymns were borrowing secular music to sing their songs. Uh, You think I'm making that up? Look into it. I'm telling you, that's the way they came about, right? And so the idea is, well, that's real holy music. And now today, it's this other thing. Listen. God is still working. And so there are people who, wouldn't you expect that God's people continue, just like throughout the ages, God's people continue to pour out music, fresh expressions of what God is doing. Wouldn't you expect that? I think we can sing songs from long ago and have fellowship with brothers and sisters who are gone on, but sing a new song. Really what he's saying there is a new song should be an expression of thanksgiving that my God is alive, that my God is at work, that he's here in this moment doing things in my life. That's what a new song is all about. God's goodness expressed time and time again. Even old songs that I've known for 10 years, I come in a different person every week. And so that song that I might not have heard for a while can hit me in a different place and can be fresh and new again because I'm at a different place in my life and it speaks to me in a different place on a different way. It has a different truth that I have to express by faith. There are songs that are hard to sing. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. You ever thought about that when you sang that? That's an older song. That's a powerful thing to say, isn't it? I mean, there are things that are hard to sing. There are moments where, you know, Savior, He can move the mountain. Easy to sing when you're on top of the mountain. But when that mountain's in front of you and you have to say, Savior, you can move that mountain. There's some faith in that. There's some glory to God in that. There's some moving inside of you. So there are moments that we come to songs and they are fresh to us because we are seeing them through different eyes. He says, play skillfully. A lot of times when I read Psalm 33 or hear it talked about, this is the words that come out because it's talking to musicians. And certainly, our God is great and glorious. Musicians should not come cavalier or flippant. They shouldn't come unpracticed or unskilled. Music that doesn't sound like somebody knows what they're doing doesn't give glory to God. 
right? I mean, that, I, that sounds ridiculously easy, but that's the truth. It should be our heart's intention to lift up beautiful music, full and moving, something that expresses what God is doing in the midst of these people to point people to our Creator and our Savior. And then if you're not that kind of musician, he closes with a uh, shout. <laughs> All right, you know, for the rest of you that have zero musical ability, you can show your excitement by shouting, <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? So we all have a voice to lend. And David says when music plays, when we gather together in the name of Jesus to lift up his name, we should pour out praise to him. His point is, when I think about the Lord, I can't hold back. It stirs up. I have to sing. And for God's people, it should be the same way. Then what he does for the most of this psalm is talk about the ways that he sees when he thinks about God, reasons to sing. These are David's why, at least for this day and in this moment, these are his why. David says, God is faithful. This is why I sing to him, because he's faithful. Is God faithful? Was he faithful yesterday? Will he be faithful tomorrow? If God is faithful, I should sing to him. David says, that's one of my whys. David says, he created everything. He's all-powerful. He's, he's greater than anything we can imagine. He speaks and things come into existence. He knows everything. So as David thinks about why I should praise him, he starts to write these things down in this song. These are his why. Today I'm asking you, what's your why? Why do you need to praise him? As we read David's why, maybe some things come to your mind about why you need to praise him. I will tell you, some of the reason it's important for you to grab hold of that is because we need to be reminded about God's greatness and God's goodness. Because the world can convince me as I watch school shooting after school shooting and, and poverty and rebellion and darkness. and all, The world can convince me that God isn't great or good. But I know that's not true. So I come to worship to be reminded. That's right. That's what I believe. I come to tune my soul in so that it resonates with this powerful truth that is that foundation of my life. Because as I go along, bumping along in the world through the week, it keeps pushing me away from that. So I come, and I, and I try to hold on to it the week, but as I come together with God's people, I get that grip again on it. And the songs that we sing, get that grip again on it. It's sometimes why there's a lot of repetition in music. Getting a grip on a truth that sometimes is hard to get a grip on in life. And I need to say it again and again to myself so that I have it. So I need to know it. But some of why we worship is because other people need to know it. There are people next to you that the, the truth that we're going to sing up there, that song doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but you lifting up your voice, there's somebody over there Man, that is hitting them right between the eyes. That is, a, that is water for their thirsty soul, or that is conviction for them. And music has the power to cut through all of that, to cut right across into it. So listen as I read David's why. Here's what he says, verse 4 down to verse 19. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all that he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. For by the word, 
By word, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on the earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is His unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. David says, man, isn't God great? He spoke and the world came to be. He formed the heart of every person. He knows everything. He sees everything. The people that try to rise up and do wrong, God is their judge and God defeats them. No one can set aside God's plan for your life. No one can set aside God's plan for your life. Because God's plans are established and no one can thwart them. These are things that David goes, man, I got to sing about that. That's my why. What's your why? Why is God worth you lifting your voice? Why is Him worth you setting aside maybe your sense of dignity or comfort or self-awareness? Is He great enough for that? And if He is... Maybe we should be singing to him. What's your why? What's your why? Has God proven himself good to you? Has he been faithful to you? Has he saved you? Forgiven you? Healed you? Put broken pieces back together? Are you a witness of His greatness, of His majesty, of His beauty, of His power? Are you able to testify as you lift your voice and sing? Then we should sing. Too often what is on our minds as believers when it comes time to worship, when it comes time to sing, is everything but Him. And what David says is when you come to worship, He should be the reason that you sing. He should be what's on your mind. Think about your why. And then lift your voice and choose to sing. Make a choice. When it comes down to it, and again, this is church family, so if you're not part of the church family, you can take this and apply this however, but church family, this is a choice God calls us to make when we get together in the name of Jesus. We should choose to sing. David talks about times where it's hard to sing. Uh, Verses 20 to 22, he says, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Does this sound like everything's going well in David's life? We wait for hope. He is our stray, our help. When do you need help? When everything's going well? He is our shield. Sounds like somebody's under attack, doesn't it? In him, our hearts rejoice. Wait, aren't you under attack? Aren't you weak and need help? Aren't you waiting? In Him our hearts rejoice. Why? For we trust in His holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. 
David says, it is a choice that you make to lift your voice and sing. It isn't a choice that's always easy. Sometimes you come in good times. You make the choice in good times. Too often as a pastor, I've seen people when times get good, they are gone. I've had people come because of, uh, you know, they wanted to have a child so bad and they were coming out for a while and then as soon as they got pregnant. You know what I mean? I've had people come because their marriage is falling apart or their finances are falling apart and they came and they, they were talking to me and they, I couldn't get rid of them on my phone. They were on my phone all the time until it got fixed and they were gone. It is a choice to come to worship, to sing in good times. It is a choice to come and worship and sing in bad times. When I'm waiting, when he's my help, when he's my shield. It is a choice that we are called to make. And it is a choice that says this. I am going to choose to see by faith beyond what it looks like to my eyes. I am going to set aside my sense of, oh, I like that, oh, I don't like that, I would prefer this, I would prefer that, because that's not what this is. And so by faith, I choose to sing because I'm going past all of that. I sing because I have hope. I have not hope like, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope. I have hope, I have confidence that God is going to show up and God is going to come through. Even though I'm waiting, even though he's not here yet, I have confidence that he has an answer, that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's right. I sing because I believe God helps me. I sing because I trust him as my shield. I sing even when he hasn't answered yet. I sing because I need to remember what I believe. So he says, in him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. We sing a lot about the name of God. And I've told you this before, and I'll say it again. The name of God reflects who he is, his character, and what he has promised. He promises by his name. So when people say, we put our trust in your name, our hope is holding on because of your name. They're saying, I have hope because of who you are, and I have hope because of what you've promised. And I am choosing to believe that. That's why I sing. Now, if you don't believe, it's going to be hard for you to sing. But if you do believe, it should be hard for you not to sing. People of God, we should raise a shout to Almighty God who was our Savior and our Redeemer, the lover of our souls, the one who reached from heaven to rescue us when we were lost. And sometimes I wonder if we get that, if we remember that, or if we've forgotten it. If it's gone from our minds and gone from our hearts, singing is a way to hold on to it, to get it alive and keep it real in our lives day after day. So we believe that your unfailing love will be with us as we put our hope in you. I believe that you love me with an unfailing love even when it feels like the world is falling apart. So today, here's what we're going to do. This is going to be our close. We're going to close with our invitation to worship. So I'm going to invite our worship team up. And so we didn't do it at the beginning, We're going to do it now. And I'm going to invite you to take what God has done in your soul and in your mind and lift your voice up. Because too often we come together on Sunday morning and the first thing we do is worship and then we learn. Well, today we learn and now we worship. And so as they come and get in place, I want to pick up at the next chapter. Because Psalm 34 talks about the choice that we're called to be made. Let this be our choice. Whatever your why is, however you have to get there, embrace this moment. Your chance to sing. How often have we treated this moment like it's nothing? 
Like it's way smaller than it is. Like it doesn't matter if we're here or we're not here. This is a chance to lift your creator. So Psalm 34 starts off with these three verses. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're going to read these verses. Let's read them together as we get ready to worship the Lord this morning. All right, so we're going to just read them out loud. Everybody lift up your voice with me. Psalm 34, verse 1. Ready? I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Church, let's sing.